Good morning. Good to see you here this morning on Easter. Happy Easter. It's a great day for an Easter egg hunt, isn't it? Beautiful weather. Go look for some eggs. That'll be good. Um, wanted to just tell you to that today we're launching a message series called Time for, for a Change. And I hope that this series is timely for you. You know, sometimes uh, you're living life and you get some perspective that's very helpful at just the right time. I was reading in the news on Friday and uh, there was an article on that, frankly, I didn't appreciate. It was on how much work it's going to take to, to uh, how much workout you're going to have to do in order to work off some of the Easter candy that you're going to eat. Now, that is perspective at the, at the wrong time because I don't care. Okay? But, for instance, five peeps. You know the little peeps? Little marshmallow things? They either love them or hate them. But it takes 20 minutes of moderate rowing to work off five peeps. Okay? I don't... I don't care. I might go into the meal thinking, all right, I'm going to use some self-control. By the end, it's all over. All right. So perspective that's helpful and timely is important. And so we hope that this message series is helpful and timely for you. For the next three weeks, we're going to look at how lasting change can occur in each of us. You saw in the uh, Roland video how things are changing. Things just change. What we want to be is we want to be on the right side of that. We want to be uh, experiencing the right kind of change uh, toward the things that are going to be a blessing uh, for you and I. I don't, I don't wake up in the morning thinking, all right, let's change today. I want to change. You know, that's not, that's not what I'm thinking. Yeah, let's figure out how I can change. But as I walk through the day, often... The need for change slaps me in the face. It, it gets my attention as, as I go through life. And we all sense a need for change in different ways. Maybe it's handling family relationships in the same old way that brings up the same old tensions. We're, we're struggling through those. Or we get to the end of the month and once again, there are more days left in the month than dollars in the checking account because earlier in the month we weren't, you know, we weren't thinking about that. Uh, at work or sk- school, uh, maybe procrastination has once again uh, created a bind and we dropped the ball. And we don't mind so much, but it's the look on the boss's face or the look on the face of our co-workers that really concerns us. And it's these pressure points that we face in life, and, and it's at, at those points that the need for change is highlighted and we begin to get motivated to change. We, we don't typically crave change. At least I don't. Not, not natively. Uh, but it's these pressure points, these tension points that bring out the need for it. Whether you're at one of these crossroads or not, whether you're here, uh, we're going to take some time today and then over the next couple of weeks to look at how God works in us for change and, and what he does. And then what do we need to do to cooperate that? Because healthy living things are constantly changing and growing if they're heading in the right direction. So in this series, 
we're going to look at how God works to help us with this change. Here, here's an overview of where we're headed in the series. First of all, we're going to look at God's part. That's today, the power. We're celebrating the resurrection today, which supplies all the power we need. It shows that God has the power we need to, to make the changes that uh, he wants to make and that would be really great for us to make in our lives. Uh, if we trust him with our lives, we set out uh, in our heart to please him. He supplies the power for it. Next week, we're going to look at my part, the key ingredients. What do we do as individuals? What, what are the choices that we make personally that bring real change over the long haul? And then uh, the last week of the series, we're going to look at our part. Uh, we'll be looking at how the people around us that we surround us with uh, ourselves with, uh, help us with these changes. We'll be laying out um, what God's intent is for the community of people around us, which is the church, uh, as you decide to follow him. He wants you to plug into a group of people who will help you move the right direction in, in your life. So no matter where you're at in your relationship with God and your spiritual journey, um, we hope that you'll, you'll realize it's, it's not too late to change, and we hope this gives you some helpful and timely perspective uh, that will move you forward in the right direction. Um, over the next three weeks, we want to give you a glimpse. Next week, we're going to be outside, uh, so we're not going to have a video, but we want to give you a glimpse at Ryan Eaton's story. I'd like to introduce you to Ryan this morning. Uh, he's a member who's been a group leader here, and he leads different groups at different times here at Church in the Valley. And in the video, uh, what he's going to be showing us is uh, different ways that God has worked in him to bring about change since he decided to follow Christ. He decided to follow Christ, I believe, in his late 20s, and God's been working some changes in him. And so we're going to take a glimpse at his uh, story that sort of tracks what we're talking about each week in this series. In this video, he's talking about one of the early changes that God made in him uh, after he decided to follow Christ, and it was related to his marriage. What sparked the change is he realized that God says some things about marriage that were not what he thought it was. And so this is one of the key ways that God brings change. You get into the scripture, you get into the Bible, and you find out, oh, what he says is different, totally different than the way I think. And so then you got a choice. Am I going to do it God's way or not? If you do it God's way, he supplies the power for change. So here's Ryan, and let's listen to his testimony. When I got married, I viewed marriage as a 50-50 partnership. Um, that's what I was expecting. That's what I signed up for, was that we would be equals in the marriage. Um, as I became a Christian, started following Christ, I understood or learned actually that that's not what God had wanted. Um, his design is for the husband to be the leader of the family. Um, I had a hard struggle with that because it's not what I had signed up for. Um, I wanted the partnership. I, I wasn't looking for anything else. Um, but in doing so and following Christ, he really softened my heart to understand what 
um, my responsibility was as the, the leader of the family and how I am responsible to him for that. Um, I had a hard time with that because, again, I wasn't looking for that. I did trust in God and began to learn and obey what that meant as far as being the leader of the family. Um, as I did so, immediately saw some benefits um, within the family. Um, as soon as I took on some more of that role, freed up my wife to actually take care of some things, um, some roles that God had placed on her heart. Um, the, the family dynamic moved a lot smoother. Um, and just that immediate success was really uh, beneficial, really opened my eyes to all the other changes and areas where God would be able to change my heart and change my life. All right, I appreciate Ryan sharing that with us. As you picked up from his story, he chose to cooperate with God, his way of thinking, his perspective, and it turned out good for him. And as he chose that, God supplied the power. He needed to make the changes. It opened him up to more changes. This is the way God works. This, this is what God does. The change we're talking about in this series, particularly, is not behavior modification, not just changing your behavior or changing our circumstances, but what God does. What God wants to change is he wants to change us at the core, at the heart level, so that we change from the inside out. Why, why does he want to do that? Why, why is he so concerned with the inside working its way out in our life? It's because our heart directs and guides our life, sort of like a GPS. You know, you, you have a GPS, got all the information in it. You punch in the address and Lord willing, it takes you to the right place. Have you ever used a GPS that had the wrong information in it or it was outdated? I have. <laughs> it takes you, you hit a lot of dead ends when it's, when it's not wired correctly in there, when it doesn't have the right information. At its core, its information is wrong, so you can't trust it to guide you in the right direction. If we want to experience lasting change, then we have to change from the inside out. We have to switch out the internal guidance system. That's something we can't do on our own. We, we need help with switching that out. Our, our knee jerk is to try to change from the outside in. To try to change our behavior without changing the inside. Because that's, that's what we can do. We can handle that, but we try different ways. There are about three ways that we tend to try to change from the outside in. And... I'd like you to make just a mental note, or if you're taking notes, jot, jot these down real quickly, because I'm going to come back to them in a few, few moments. But the first way we try to do this is we beat ourselves up. If I feel bad enough about what I've done, then maybe I won't do it again. If I just beat myself to smithereens, I put myself down, I knock myself down, and I wallow in guilt, maybe, just maybe, if I can do that long enough, I'll remember and I won't do it again. This doesn't make any sense because what I've experienced, I, I beat myself up with the best of them. You know, I put the gloves on start pounding myself. But what happens is, as soon as the guilt wears off, I'm free to do what I want to do again. Doesn't quite work that way. A second way that we try to change from the outside in is we try to change scenery. 
If, if I could just get away from these people and these circumstances, everything would get better. It's true that some circumstances are rough and some people make it harder for us to change. But what if the change is in here, not out there, that I need to make? That's where the trouble is. Wherever I go, there I am. That's what I found. Wherever I go, there I am. It's a rule. You can take that home with you if you want to. (laughs) It's very true. We all know that's the case. So we change our scenery, but we're there in the scene and it doesn't quite change. Another strategy is to turn to religion or another self-improvement plan. Uh, Christianity is not a religion. It's, it's really it's a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But we think if I do enough, I can change. Now, I, I've tried this approach as well. I've, I've tried a few of them. Um, and I've thought following this plan, if I could just follow the plan to the letter, if I could get the rules of the plan down, then I'd be different. But as I try to work the plan, my heart shows up in the plan. And I begin to experience the same kind of problems over and over again. And I realize I don't need a new set of rules. I need a new ruler. I need someone who can help me change. I don't need to follow a new set of rules. I need him. The fact is... We can often see what we need to do, but we lack the power to do it. We, we need the power to make the changes that God wants to make in us. And the good news is God wants to help, the, help us with these changes. He, he wants to give us the power to change from the inside out. In fact, He is our hope for change. Our, our hope for change is wrapped up in what we're celebrating today. In Jesus' resurrection. It, it's, it's just, it's all right there. Because in the resurrection, you see that God has the power and He's willing to supply the power to change at the heart level, from the inside out. And this is what you find in the New Testament of the Bible. You find that God gives the power. He has the power. He gives the power to those who trust them with their lives. He will give you the power to make the changes that he wants to make and that are really good for you. Peter is one of the earliest followers of Christ. From very early on, he, came, he became a major leader in the early church. And he wrote two, two hope-filled letters to early Christians. We're going to dig into just a part of one of them right now. In this first letter, right after he introduces himself to those he's writing, a short greeting, lets them know who this is, he quickly reminds his readers where the hope comes from for life and for change. First Peter 1, 3-4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Notice that the letter begins with gratitude to God for His mercy. Incredibly grateful for His mercy. Peter, the early Christians he was writing to, and all of us, we need God's mercy. 
The reason we do, the Bible explains, the reason we need God's mercy is every one of us have chosen to rebel against our Creator. This, this is the bad news. We, we've gone our own way. We've tried to live life independent of Him. And you know what? It's right for someone who's been made by someone else to do what the Maker wants. And so what happens as we rebel, as we go our own way and rebel against God is we stack up a debt to God. We, we owe Him. And when we don't do what is right to do before our Maker, we stack up a debt. And since we owe our Maker, this, this rebellion has created a debt. It's a debt that must be paid. It, it has to be paid. Often, we try to work strategies to pay the debt ourselves, but it doesn't work. Imagine a business owner who goes on a vacation. He owns this business. He's got some manufacturers that are manufacturing his product. And he gets a call from his accountant while he's on vacation. And he finds out that his manufacturers uh, have created you know, enough product where he owes them $500,000. He don't have it right now. I, you know, I don't have the cash flow to do that. So the business owner, he's on vacation. He decides to tell, tell the accountant, just here's what, here's what you need to tell the manufacturers. Here's what you need to fill them in on. Look, tell them that we're not going to worry about the $500,000 debt. We're just going to forget about that. We're going to forget about the past. But moving forward, we're going to turn over a new leaf. And so moving forward, we're going to pay all of our future debts completely. We're going to cover it in the future. From now on, we'll live up to the highest level of business ethics. We're going to do it. We got it covered. What are the manufacturers going to say? It don't work like that. That's what they're going to say. That's not how it works. That doesn't fly. The debt is still there. But this is what we try to do with the debt, and this is why we get stuck when we try to change ourselves. We try different strategies for paying our debt of sin to God. And they match the strategies that we try to use for change. Without God, first we try to beat ourselves up. How 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 do we know when we've made ourselves feel bad enough that we're going to change, or when we've made up for the debt that we have? This underlies our problems. You know, wallowing in guilt is not what God wants, and it it tastes horrible. It's so sour to wallow in guilt. We change scenery. We decide, oh, I can't take this anymore. I'm bailing out on this, and we move on to a new scene, but we show up in the new scene. There we are. The past doesn't fade away, but it tends to show up wherever we are. Something needs to be done to make the past right. Something needs to to happen to pay that debt. Then finally, we, we try to improve ourselves through religion or something else. Uh, to make up for our debt. But the same heart keeps producing the same result. So we struggle in relationships and responsibilities moving forward. Maybe we do a little better for a little while at times, but it doesn't cover the debt, so the problem is still there. God is a just God. 
He, he wants our debt to be paid. In fact, he demands that it be paid. That's, that's bad news. That's all the bad news. But here's the good news. Jesus died in our place to pay the debt. That's the heart of Christianity. Is God loves us so much that he's just, the debt must be paid, but he's willing to pay the debt himself in the person of Jesus Christ to bring salvation to us. And this is what Peter is celebrating here in this passage. Jesus took the penalty upon himself to pay our debt. This was an unimaginable act of kindness. According to God's great mercy, he has done this. But this wasn't the end. And this is where we see the power of God. Three days later, he came back to life. He rose. His resurrection is where we find the hope. This is what Peter points out. He has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is our hope. This is how we change. This is, this is how we turn around right here. We did nothing to earn such a gift. He is the one who's given us this new birth. It's all God. It's all on His part. He's brought the change by giving this, this new birth to us. He's caused us to be born again. New babies have new hearts. So if you're born again, you get a new heart. A new guidance system. And God begins to show you how to cooperate with Him to tap into His help as He comes to live inside of you and as He begins to rework you into the person that He created you to be in the first place. The new heart is God's gracious gift to us to bring change. This change results in a living hope. It's alive. And it's based on the resurrection of the Son of God. And I want to take some time in the rest of this uh, message to show how a Christian's hope, our hope in Christ, is rooted in a real person in history and how the change that he wants to bring comes out of that. Paul was another uh, church leader in the first century. Actually, he ended up writing a great deal of the New Testament. But... He nailed down, God used him, just because of his background and some of his abilities, God used him to nail down the key components of the Christian message. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-8, he lays out those components. And here they are. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. Cephas is Peter, another name for Peter. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at the same time. Now, some people have said they were all hallucinating, that people who saw Jesus after he raised from the dead, it was all a hallucination. But 500 people don't have the same... You don't go to a hallucination like you go to a movie. Hey, let's go. You know, let's all get in the theater. We're going to watch this hallucination. That's, that doesn't happen. I mean, that's just not what it's going to be. You can watch a movie with 500 other people, but not a hallucination. But anyway, 500 at the same time, most of whom are still alive, though some are fall asleep. You can still check this out, Paul's saying. The people he's writing to, they can still check this out. 
These are eyewitnesses. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Now, this is not just a bland recap of these events. This is just not a cursory overview of what happened in Jesus' life. This is the core message of Christianity. And these people and groups listed here in 1 Corinthians 15, they're listed because they're all eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ who were completely changed by the event. Mention Cephas or Peter and the Twelve. Peter and these guys were running for their lives at the crucifixion. They were running. They, they were scattering. Peter was so afraid, he was asked by two different servant girls if he knew Jesus, and he said, no, no, I don't know them. I don't know him. You know, he was running for his life. After the resurrection, after they saw the re- resurrected Christ, they were convinced that he was God, who he said he was. And they testified to that fact, even to the death. Most of these folks in this list died for their faith in Christ when they had scattered and been running prior to the resurrection while he was crucified. Paul goes on to say something about himself. He says, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. He'd been an enemy of the church. Uh, whom Jesus met on the road to Damascus. He was going to find Christians and stone them to death or imprison them. He was on his way to Damascus on his mission to persecute Christians. Jesus met him on the road, and he completely turned around and made a major impact on his world for Christ, planted many, many churches throughout the, the Roman Empire. So after laying out the crucial foundation, this is, this is the message of Christianity right here in a nutshell that we've been looking at. After laying that out, pointing out the key aspects, the key evidence for the resurrection, which are these witnesses, Paul explains the source of his own change and growth. He makes it clear that it's the power and grace of God that brings lasting change. In verse 9 and 10, he says, For I'm the least of the apostles. Unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but it was the grace of God that was with me. So the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, the kindness that we didn't deserve, that, when we receive it, begins to work the change in us. Now, we work with it. Paul explains, I work, but Paul works this change in me. Now, I want you to notice a couple things in this passage about how the change occurs. First of all, attitude is crucial. Paul chose an attitude of humility. And out of his humility flowed gratitude. Paul says, I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle. If you're in an orchestra, you want to be first chair. Never been in an orchestra, played the uh, coronet for a week, so I never made it to orchestra level. But if I were in an orchestra, I would want to be the first chair. Nobody wants to be down the row in second, third, fourth, fifth. Nobody wants to be down there. If you're getting picked for the basketball team at lunch, In elementary school, you want to be picked near the top. You know, it's not good to be picked last. But in Paul's mind, 
He was picked last as an apostle, and he was just glad to be on the team. He knew that he didn't deserve it, but he was just glad to be on the team. He, he could have actually brought out quite a list of religious accomplishments. It's interesting. Paul was a, a very, very zealous Jew before he came to Christ. He had a lot of education. He had a lot of credentials. He could have brought those out, but he said, you know what? I'm just glad God gave me the mercy he did and I can live the life that I have. He shows us a major key to change. And it's coming to a place where you're willing to admit that you have nothing to offer God and you need his mercy. That's crucial. The second thing you see is that it's not Paul's effort that made the change, but it's God's grace. It's the grace of God that changes us. That's where the strength comes from. To receive God's grace, you have to admit that you fall short of God's glory. You, you can never be righteous enough to earn your own way, to pay the debt yourself. You never can. You need God's help. You need His help in this. When you place your faith in Christ, that means when you put your whole life in His hand, you decide, okay, God, if you say something about marriage that I don't understand, I'm going to go with your way. If you say something about the way I should treat people that doesn't make sense to me, I'm going to do that. If, if, if I find out in Scripture that you want me to um, serve people, rather than expect them to serve me, all right, I'll, I'll do that. That's, that's what it means. You, you place your faith in Christ. You put your faith in His way, His thoughts, the way that He would want you to live. And you turn around from living your own way. At that point, God gives you the power to change. And we have to keep changing, keep turning around, keep, keep doing that. And it's the grace of God that motivates this change. That's God's part in the process of change. This is what he does. It's, it's, it's the biggest part. It's like 99% of it. You know, we need a new heart. We can't do that. We need motivation. The grace of God motivates us. You, you can see his power in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the same power available to us today. He, he gives it to us. Ryan mentioned in his testimony an unanticipated, unanticipated change in his approach to marriage. God gave the power when he chose that. It, and it turned into a blessing. This happens over and over again. This is God's part. Think about the difference it would make in your life and the life of those around you. If you took God's approach to marriage, he gave you the power to do it, and you saw the blessing all over the place. How about God's power and blessing in the way that you handle family life, your work life, the way your goals, the way that you get after your goals for living, the way you steward your finances, um, your own self-image. What I've found is when you're beating yourselves to a pulp, when you're beating yourself to a pulp, you don't feel very good about yourself. Your self-image is deflated. But God doesn't want that. Because you see, in the, the heart of the Christian message, you find out how valuable you are before the living God. You stacked up a debt against Him with your disobedience, you and I. 
We stacked up this debt, but he paid the debt himself so that we could know him. No need to beat ourselves up. But to really bask in the, the grace of God that he's poured into us. It's God who makes the changes over time as we learn to cooperate with him. First, we have to trust him with our entire lives. Second, we, we live uh, to change our perspective and step forward to cooperate with him. Then he provides the power. As we wrap up the message today, I'd like you to uh, look at your connection card. On the back of the connection card, there are some next steps. We do this every week because God wants us to get into the scripture and then he wants to show us changes, steps to make, and he wants us to take those steps. And so we, we take the time to do this. In a moment, we're going to receive the offering. And if you could finish completing any information on that connection card and drop that in the offering when it comes by, that'd be fantastic. But today we're going to do something a little different to begin with. We did this last Easter. And, you know, Easter is a good time to sort of take a, a step back and to think through your relationship with God. And so we're going to do a spiritual survey on this Easter like we did last Easter. And uh, like you to just kind of let us know if you're comfortable with that, where you're at in your relationship with God. Easter is a great time to stop and consider this, where you're at on your journey. So I invite you to take this survey. You'll notice there's spiritual survey, and I'm going to ask you to circle A, B, C, or D. A means I'm already a believer. I've already decided to follow Christ. I've trusted with my life. I'm trying to do the changes that he shows me to make. B means believing today. I'm going to go ahead and trust God with my life today. Now, belief in the New Testament means this. It means that you make Jesus your Lord. In other words, when he shows you, like he did Ryan, something different about the way you should approach life, you, you give up your way and you go his way. And this is where the lasting change comes from. So that would be the second option on our spiritual survey is to circle B, which means I'm believing today. If, if you're deciding to follow Christ today, we'd love to help with that. We'll send you some material to help you get started in your walk with him. C means I'm considering it. I'm considering following Christ. And if you're investigating what it means to follow Christ, welcome. We're glad you're here. We have uh, a bunch of people who are doing that. And, and we'd like to ask you if you're comfortable with it, continue. We invite you to come back and continue investigating with us. D means I don't think I'll ever believe. You're also welcome here. We hope you continue to investigate what it means to follow Christ. So A, already a believer. B, believing today. C, considering committing my life to Christ. And D, I don't think I'll ever believe. Still leaves the door cracked open there. You'll notice. I don't think I'll ever believe that. We hope you'll make the move toward, toward the Lord. Uh, another step you could take is ask God to help me change at least once every day this week. So there's a blank there under that step, and we want you to fill in the blank with whatever God. If God's spoken to you this morning and said, hey, this is something you need to work on to change, um, just fill that in in your mind, or if you want to write it out, you can write it out. That's certainly good, and 
Uh, we we want to know this so we can pray with you. And then another step would be to attend the rest of the series to learn how to change and grow God's way. What does God say about that? We started it this morning. We've got two more. We'd love to have you back. We'll have the picnic next week, and then uh, we'll wrap up the series the week after that. Uh, as the band comes up, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth that you give us in your word and how really helpful it is to know your perspective. And Father, I I ask that as you've spoken through your word and as I've uh, gone over some of it this morning, I ask that you would give us the power to take the steps that you've laid on our heart to take today. That you would motivate us by your grace to do what pleases you. And I ask for your help in this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.